Welcome back to Spectrum Days, the games we played, a new podcast that takes a look at the games we played over 30 years ago. Call it retro or call it nostalgia, these are the games that shaped our lives. My name is Chris and I'm here with my cousin Phil. Hello. To discuss the games we remember, the games we loved, how they felt to us at the time and how they look now. We've got producer John with us, who'll try to keep us on track and sounding all right. So, Phil, um, it's coming up to Halloween. What game have we got for this week? It is indeed. And in fact, it was John who suggested this when we thought about doing a Halloween special. And he suggested Ghouls and Ghosts and how right he was to suggest it. Oh, good, 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 good. So let me explain a little bit about how this show will work. We'll reminisce about the game, talk from our memories and a few notes. Then once we've dribbled on for a while through our rose-tinted glasses, we'll take a pause. We'll play the game wherever we can find it. Maybe Phil will have the cartridge. Maybe we'll use an emulator. But one way or another, we'll play it. Then we'll come back and record part two, where we tell you if they really were Spectrum days or if our memories have failed us, if the game has stood the test of time or if it's unplayable dribble. <laughs> Let's hope not, because we've got to spend several days playing it. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and unfortunately, my overriding memory of this game, although it's amazing, it's another one that's really, really hard. <laughs> oh, that, last week we played. Last week we played our type. That was uh, that was difficult enough. Yeah, I think this might actually be a common theme. Our age group just is basically remembering arcade games, and this is just another one of those classic arcade games designed to take your money they just say right we've got a lot of 10 year olds who like playing computer games what should we do i don't know let's make it really hard so we get all their money <laughs> where do you remember it from come on uh again um 34 years ago very glad we're recording this before i hit 50 which is just down the road but um because already is my memory failing? Uh, yep. When I try to drift back in my memories, thinking of this game, I'm thinking yet again it was the Commodore Amiga. But it would have been the Amiga or possibly the Omega Drive once again. Um, I've got vague memories of of of, of playing the game uh, in looking at a uh, a TV set that we had connected to the Amiga. I've got vague memories of it being very, very, very difficult and running around with uh, King Arthur, uh, firing, throwing huge swords at people uh, and upgrading armour. Uh, yeah, so I reckon the Commodore Amiga. What about you, Phil? Yeah, I, I think what you're saying actually is probably uh, chiming with the sound in the room as far as everyone else that's listening in, because it's very much like our type. If anyone hasn't seen our other or heard our other podcast, then do have a listen. That was the one we did on our type. And we found with that that it got converted to absolutely everything and was really good on absolutely everything and actually ghouls and ghosts maybe not quite as much as our type did do very well on all the other formats so i'm not surprised that you've got sort of amalgamated memories from different systems probably because you played it 
on all those systems at one time or another. I know I certainly did, but then that's because I sort of worked in the games industry in the secondhand market, so I played it on a lot of different things. But where I remember Ghouls and Ghosts, specifically uh, the the place I mainly think of it of is the Mega Drive. Um, it was one of the early games on the system, and it was one of the games that we were anticipating. It didn't come out necessarily at launch. I think it came out a few months I think later on in the year, 1990, on the Mega Drive. And it was one of those few games that we saw reviewed first before it coming out, um, uh, specifically Mean Machines. A lot of people probably remember the magazine Mean Machines, certainly over here in the UK, uh, where it got 92%. Uh, everyone was extremely excited about it. So that's really why why I remember it specifically on the Mega Drive because we were actually looking forward to it, but not exclusively that, but because of course it was originally Ghosts and Goblins was the original game, the original arcade game, and Ghouls and Ghosts was the was the follow up because Ghosts and Goblins did so well. So I think as far as remembering the series, I probably played ghost and goblins the original one on zx spectrum which must have been i don't know when that one came out but uh, some time before ghouls and ghosts probably five years prior or something on on zx spectrum maybe 85 86 maybe something like that but uh, yeah for me ghouls and ghosts has always been synonymous with the mega drive it was done in-house by sega uh, Capcom originally made the arcade machine, but Sega obviously got hold of it and did the did the license and did it themselves and did a blooming good job and brought it out on the Master System as well. It came out on both of them and it was a, it was a great conversion on both. Oh, it's out on the Master System as well. Hmm. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe played it on the Master System. October yeah, but that was the late. Fifth. You see, I, uh, that was a comparatively late late game. Okay. So I'm seeing here that, yeah, October the 5th, 1988 on the Mega Drive. Uh, John's just let us know that they come out on the Spectrum in 88. In 88 as well. Gosh. So there we go. That, that, just, just shows, that just shows we're nearly 50. They've got no idea, <laughs> I no idea what's going on. Oh, it must have been painful to play on the Spectrum. Well, no, as I say, that was Ghosts and, Gob- uh, Ghost and Goblins. Ghouls and go- yeah, ghouls and go. Ah, oh, see, this is going to get very confusing, isn't it? <laughs> Ghosts and goblins. <laughs> Ghosts and goblins was the one that I played on the Spectrum, which was the original. And, well, that's uh, why I wonder. I, I did. I was asking. Well, why are we going to speak, speak about ghouls and ghosts? Because it's ghosts and goblins, which is the one that comes off the top of my head as a name, right? And it's easier to say. But ghouls and ghosts. <laughs> but I, I'm presuming it was the better game, right? We're talking about it because it, we think it was better. Oh, it, it was. Yeah, I, I'm sure people would argue with us, but yes, I mean, generally, it was a, a it was a far more improved version. It was actually very, very similar, but it, yeah, it, it was a great step up. And and again, for me, and I think for a lot of people, it, it sort of underscored how good the Mega Drive was. And you got to remember, the Mega Drive was coming out when there was zero competition. It was just the Nintendo, the original NES, and then the Mega Drive came out. And how good so- did did ghouls and ghosts look and play on the mega drive compared to ghosts and goblins on the nes i mean completely different world i mean i mean you know it's hard to 
for people now who didn't live through that period to realize how good something like calls and ghosts on a mega drive was and how amazing it looked and sounded com- compared to the nes it was, it was totally yeah. world. so i think we um i think we should give a bit of a description of the game just in case you never know my son might be listening 15 no he's not uh to- Let's see, he's 15. No, he's not uh, listening. I must have been... I mean. No, well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might force him to listen to in, in the car or something. So he's a little bit young. I was 16 then when this came out. For, yeah. When the Ghouls and Ghosts came out on Meg Drive, I was definitely 16. Um, I don't think many 15-year-olds today, unless they're really into retro gaming, are going to know what Ghouls and, Ghouls and Ghosts is. So from our memories, we can give a kind of description of what it is. And some people might call it a, um, a run and gun. Yeah, I game. think it's funny. We probably wouldn't have called it that then. Oh, but, no. but now, no. yes, you probably would. It, it's got the same tropes as a run and gun, as in jumping left to right or running. And you do shoot. There is, you know, there are wet projectile weapons. Um so yeah, it sort of technically is, but it's so old fashioned. It's it's the fact you're playing Arthur. The character's called Arthur, and he has armor. Uh, you know, it doesn't sort of lend itself to run and gun, which sounds a bit more like you've got guns where you, you haven't got a gun in this. So back then, we'd have probably just called it a platformer, or an, or as it was, which was an arcade game. We used the word arcade yeah. if it was an arcade game. A bit more boring and not very descriptive, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, most likely we would have said arcade game, yeah. But and you do throw an infinite amount of huge swords. Yeah. So he's running you you do run left, as Phil said, you run left, right, jump, and fire swords. There are upgrades of armor. And I can remember also that you can lose your armor and there are moments where your character Arthur runs around in his boxer shorts. Yes. Yes. You sort of have two lives or a, the equivalent of a health bar, so you sort of lose a bit of health. But in this sense, yes, you, you graphically, he loses his armour and he's then in the nude, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so you get two hits. We always said two hits yeah. back in the day. And the and the, the storyline? Um, yeah, it's, it has got a bit of a storyline. Yeah, it's the, I believe the princess is called Prin Prin, which didn't sort of, get translated so left that it's very it's a very japanese game uh and she's actually prin prin is kidnapped by uh the devil i believe actually ah. kidnaps her so yeah it's it's, it's very appropriate of halloween uh, it's uh, uh you probably would you, I, actually back then i think the fact that there was so little obvious storyline in games but the fact that in the uk we weren't even allowed to say ninja in teenage mutant ninja turtles i suspect have had anyone noticed that it was the devil was in ghouls and ghosts it probably would have got changed but it, it, well, it, didn't, it didn't get changed <laughs> If if there was uh, what the board, I don't know who. Uh, what's the name of the uh, the people who have to check the age rating of films and, and games? But if they if they ever looked at the game, they would probably never have got off level one. So uh, I don't think I don't think I don't think the devil I don't think the devil appears till later on. I love, I love the thought that, that games makers are making games so hard so they can get a lower rating. Yeah, the <laughs> we make that... the first level really nice but hard. <laughs> the, the ratings board, can you send us some cheats? You know, in, we need infinite, infinite continues. No, even with infinite continues, you're not getting off level one. 
<laughs> they should have done that with Mortal Kombat. They have, have no fatalities when you get past the first person. But after that, it's all decapitations and blood. And... <laughs> so, yeah, as far as storyline, I'm afraid it's a fairly typical game trope where you've got a man who is a saviour and a woman who's been kidnapped by some nefarious evil person in the, in this case the devil and uh, yeah you have to go and rescue her which was actually exactly the same in ghosts and goblins or i'm getting so confused now the first one it was exactly the same <laughs> the same scenario although i don't think it was the devil i think it was some other bad person this his girlfriend prin prince i don't know she's obviously got uh, a penchant for the bad boys and seems to get uh, <laughs> taken away by them no matter who it is <laughs> uh thinking of um thinking of the game was just it made me think of um uh, of what in my mind was a modern game broforce uh broforce is the culmination of all of these kind of run and gun platform shoot games where you get to play all of our favorite 80s uh, action heroes um you know uh, McLean from uh, Die Hard. Uh, I think Blade is one of the playable characters. Rambo, and it's just like the extreme version of all of these kind of games. So I think the 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 root, the beginnings, could possibly be found in uh, Ghosts and Goblins, uh, Ghouls and Ghosts, and then it culminates in Broforce, which is an amazing, <laughs> which is an amazing game if you if you get the chance to play it. And I was thinking, oh yeah, Broforce, that game's already nine, ten years old. I don't know if that counts as retro already playing, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a game that looks back. It's obviously playing on that retroness, but I can't believe that I probably played Broforce nine years ago. So uh, time is moving fast. We will give our contact details at the end. And for those of you who are watching this on YouTube, um, I'd love you to argue in the comments about what retro is. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love that to be cleared up once and for all. What on earth is retro? What is it? Well, <laughs> Phil and I Phil and I are looking forward to the uh, um, vintage days when we can start talking about vintage gaming. That's next year we can i think officially start talking about vintage gaming next year is that when you get your bus pass well that's there's some spectrum games manic minor horoscope skiing <laughs> are they officially classified as as vintage next year i think so i think now so clive sinclair's dead i think it automatically became vintage didn't it <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think horoscope skiing was vintage the day it was. recorded to tape. <laughs> if you could buy a vintage iPod shuffle, then I think think Sinclair stuff's probably vintage, isn't it? So, do you own uh, Ghouls and Ghosts on physical cartridge? No. Well, see, this is the funny thing when because uh, obviously. Uh, off off camera and off microphone we obviously do discuss what we're going to do and as uh john suggested ghouls and ghosts i did as i say immediately think of the mega drive and that's that's certainly where i used to have it but no it's not one that i've got i do believe i might possibly have super ghouls and ghosts possibly but that's that's another sort of game really but ghouls and ghosts no um i i do collect uh, as it would probably be mentioned uh, throughout all these different podcasts. And anyone who saw our R-Type one will see that I had R-Type nice boxed on the Master System. I do try and get some boxed stuff. And if I do, 
buy it boxed if it isn't something I had from back in the day. If it's something I'm, I'm buying now, I tend to buy it complete. I like to have it complete. So my Mega Drive collection mm-hmm. tends to be boxed with the instructions and even the slightly anal thing of having the hang tab, which is the thing that you would have put it up onto those little sort of hooky shelf things in the shops. When I did, I did want Ghouls and Ghosts, as I say, it's one I remember, it's one I'd really love to have in my collection, but when I've looked it up on eBay, what they're going for, complete in that condition that, as I say, I would prefer to have, it's very expensive. It's about £55, £60 complete in good condition, which is kind of pushing it. Yet, when it came out, it would have been 40 quid. So not yeah. far what it is now to buy. So if you can try and somehow wrap your head around that, go back to when you were a kid, to when this came out in 1990, and think that it would have been forty pounds to buy it. God. It's sort of it blows my mind. The Mega Drive, when we were selling them in the market, when we were selling them secondhand not long after that probably a year or two after that 18 months we were selling for 89.99 so you could mm. buy a second-hand mega drive for the price of two games so you so if you bought your system you're then looking at almost paying half the price of the machine to buy one game yeah it was just it's crazy when you start thinking about it, you're like, wow, were we really doing that? How were we doing that? I must have been well, robbing it, old ladies or something because I, I didn't, I wasn't earning money in 1990. I was, <laughs> how was I buying these games? It's like having a crack habit. You find the way, man. But I, I don't know how. How? <laughs> hence the the market stall. Hence the shop. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, sec- <laughs> the second hand market. I mean, and and I think we could even rent. You know, people would borrow them from the video store as well, games, right? You could rent games. Yeah, I mean, that's it's funny listening to uh, other people talk about um, old games, but that seemed to be so much more ubiquitous thing in America than it was over in the UK. Uh, there was only one place near me that did rent out games, and they had a very, very, very small selection. It wasn't as big as the rental market is in was in, no. in vhs or anything else it, it was tiny yeah. in comparison so you i mean you, you would be very lucky if you could hire the latest game anyway well it was it was important to borrow games off your friends as well right so yeah that's really how it happened yeah it amazes me really when you think i mean playing r type in for the last episode and thinking of uh, ghouls and ghosts and then thinking nowadays people complain if a game they buy hasn't got 40 hours of gameplay, right? <laughs> then it, and, and these games, I was just trying to think, it's like they were such short, even though they were, you know, must be, all, these games really were like, oh, just one more go, just one more go. Mm. But there's a limit to just how many one more goes you could do. You can't be playing there. You We could not have been sat there for like three hours in a row playing this game. Whilst today, if someone's playing a, you know, a, a, a modern PlayStation 5 game, Xbox, PlayStation 4, PC game, whatever. You can be sat for long game sessions and there's so much content, so much storyline. Then there's the multiplayer. So the value for money nowadays, actually, it's probably far superior to the value for money we were getting back when we were teenagers. Yeah, we would have probably played those games for a short amount of time. And then we didn't have the internet. We didn't have more than four TV channels. I don't know. And, yeah. and if different you, times, different times. 
if you yeah, oh, yeah. If you, if you didn't bought the wrong game and you um, you were stuffed. <laughs> that <Yeah>. was it. <laughs> that was your, that was your what, Christmas, then, and you opened up My Little are. Pony the game. I mean, you know that that was that was that was six months of your life gone. Well, hence the importance of the of the magazines. Yeah, and the magazines were so important. Yeah, which is, I'm sure, another thing we'll end up lamenting. And well, there was no, there weren't you. You weren't playing demos. There were no demos of Mega Drive games. You could go, no. maybe you could go to a shop and play. You could probably yeah. play it in a shop. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there yeah. were no demos. Now nowadays, there's the freemium business model where lots of games are being downloaded for free, and then you can just play and um, and you can do in-app purchases. So you get to you get to play a game, um, or there's just a demo of a game. So we were buying games blind, buying magazines, or borrowing games, and then they would be so hard that I just cannot imagine that we could have been playing them for hours. Mm. At least mm. our type. At least not our type. Well, let, let's see with this. Yeah, well, yeah, we will see. I, I, I think it's like we've mentioned before, and well, I just sort of hinted at it a minute ago. You only got one game every now and again, so that was all you had. So you just kind of had to get good at it, or you just didn't play it, and you did swap it with your mate. I mean, that was, that was the, I mean that's something that you sort of do not, doing so much now particularly if you're downloading it then obviously that's that's it you're stuck but back then you were swapping games and there's me talking about um ghouls and ghosts coming out and me looking forward to it and blah 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 i i I'm, i wasn't the one who got it i was around my mate's house and it turned up he's the one who ordered it that's where i play i played ghouls and ghosts at somebody else's house on their mega drive i didn't have it when it came out well, that's that, that's the other thing. The, the the spectator sport of these games of um, of your mates laughing at you, just dying again and again and again. <laughs> You're useless. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They've been playing it eight hours before you turned up. <laughs> <laughs> so um, maybe this is a good point where we can a uh, good moment where we could just pause, yeah. go off and play the game. And come back. Yeah, so I'm itching to. So, yeah, yeah, press press pause along with us, chaps, if you want to. Dig out the game, uh, play it, and then, uh, yeah, come back and uh, press unpause, if that's a word, and see whether you agree with our feelings. And we're back. Thank you to those of you who pressed pause and joined in and went and played the game. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And for those of you who didn't and are just carrying on listening, well, you can listen to me and Chris because we did go and play it. And uh, I think I'll hand over to Chris and ask him where he played this lovely game on. I played Ghouls and Ghosts on the Mega Drive. Emulated in this case. Yeah. And go on. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get on and playing Ghouls and Ghosts just, on the Mega Drive? Ah, oh, and it's just as difficult as our type, or even more. <laughs> I think it's even more infuriating than uh, than than our type because it promises so much. It promises to be such a fun game. It looks still looks good. It's it's just fun, but it's just so so difficult. What did you play on? uh the same yeah as i mentioned in the part one of this podcast i it's one of those ones i haven't got and i i think i said at the beginning of this that i wish that it was one that i had but that it was too expensive 
and now I'm glad I don't have it and I don't want to buy it because I agree <laughs> it's so flipping hard but unlike R-Type with R-Type I don't there's still I still have there was still that love for it I still there was something about R-Type but this it, the whole point of this podcast is saying is it's still Spectrum days are we playing these games are we having those memories come back to us from from all those years ago yeah i want to play that game again i haven't played it for a million years which this is one of those i haven't played it for a long time probably since the 90s and i am actually quite disappointed because it is a game that i loved and was so excited when it came out and as i mentioned before we were anticipating it coming out it got 92 percent in mean machines which was the magazine that we were all really into and believed and listened to and when we did play it it was great and i remember it being great i remember it being hard but playing it now i, I just couldn't get anywhere on it and i think if anyone is actually watching the, the youtube video of this and not just the podcast you'll see the footage and you will just be laughing at me dying over and over and over again and i hate it how, how far did you get um i think think it's level five but i my eyes and hands were bleeding that i find it difficult to count what actual level it was and that that's the last level right five and now i think there's i think there's one more because it comes up doesn't it anyone who's not played it when you get to the end of the level or you die or whatever it sort of shows you how far you've gone it's almost taunting you it's almost, it's almost said, ha-ha, you've died and you've got still this far to go. Ha-ha, try again. <laughs> well, you, you did far better than me. I got to the very beginning of level two where I was just repeatedly killed by some tur- flying, bouncing turtles that are protected <laughs> by their shells until they become vulnerable for a few seconds when they, well, once they, they leave their shells. Shells. And then the game's got this fantastic thing, which you think at the beginning, oh, yeah, this is great. If you get a power-up or if you change your weapon, you get to keep it even after you've died, even mm. if even once you've used, your, you've used a continue and you've still got it. <laughs> but that means occasionally, at the beginning of level two at least, it will give you a different kind of weapon. There's one which uh, you throw um, kind of blue ball, that, 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 then it goes across the floor and like kills things on the floor. Molotov cocktails sort of thing. Yeah. 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 You've got an axe. <laughs> By the way, I think in part one, I said you throw swords, but you seem to throw a lance, which producer yeah, John remembered yeah. very well. Yeah. He remembered that. <laughs> um, he should be speaking. He remembers all these things better than, <laughs> than we do. Um, but yeah, so sometimes even the axe is like, which is awesome on level one, but at the beginning of level two, because the axe goes slightly diagonally, it often then misses these turtles once they do walk on the floor when they're vulnerable so as when they're vulnerable you can't even kill them because your axe is going off in the air so it's really really annoying that you're getting this like whoa i've got a new weapon this is great much better than a lance and there i am hankering for a lance and by the way this is all in practice practice level uh explain how that works phil uh, it, start- it, oh, it taunts you the entire way I mean, at the beginning, you've got very few options, which came back there did have very few options. You might be lucky to get a sound test and maybe one or two player and maybe some options. And all you get on this, I think, is one or two player and you can choose between 
practice and is it normal the other one or hard or something horrible like that so two options practice oh yeah i'll put it on i couldn't remember back in those days whether that's how we played it or not i have no idea i can only assume we must have done because it was so hard on practice i can't believe we played it on the other one and the bottom right hand of the screen is if you're watching the footage now of our youtube video this you'll see it taunts you with that word in big lovely orange letters practice it's like it's saying ha 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 this is really really hard and you're not even playing the real game you suck go and do something else <laughs> absolutely absolutely again same with our type there's no intro there's no story Uh, does it even mention you're called arthur we only know that because we've read around the game on the back of the package i guess um arthur seems to reach the netherlands maybe there's so many windmills in level two um i always you know, as soon as you say Arthur, King Arthur, is this is this King Arthur? What what what's happening? So you don't really know what's happening. Not that it matters. The storyline is not important. And I think this well, it's a game where it doesn't make me hanker for the past. Playing R type last week is like, oh yeah, great. I haven't played a shoot 'em up for a long time. Playing this, and I've already mentioned Broforce, is kind of like, well, Broforce just does all this much better and much more fun. Um, so if I if I was to choose what to spend my time on, I'd prefer to play Broforce than uh, than this. Yeah, I mean, we 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 were talking off off mic about the um, the uh, the the difficulty and how it ramps up. Well, or games usually ramp up in difficulty and perhaps start off a little bit easier. But even in this, there's you, there's there's enemies that appear from nowhere. They they're sort of like zombie ghosts, aren't they? Because they sort of come out of the ground. They can come out from behind things. They can jump down from above, down onto the level you're on, or come up and down the ladders that you're using to go up and down the levels. So, sort of, no matter where you are, you're constantly being attacked. And his style of jump is is you jump and you've got no control over it. It's nothing like Mario or Sonic or anything else. You jump and it's just an arced jump and that's it. That's all you've got. Well, it's, it's a great example of insanity because you just, you know, I think insanity is defined by just repeating the same thing again and again, even if it's bad for you. I think, right? It is, it's, that's exactly what it, it the, the enemies have fixed patterns, but I don't know if it's my old brain, but I just not. I'm just not capable of, of remembering those patterns. And I would run. I would run exactly to where the turtle's going to drop on me every single time. And then when you do, not when you die, when you lose your armor, you um, your character Arthur flickers in and out. Typical kind of game uh, mechanic flickers, and you're then invulnerable. You're in, mm. sorry, you're invincible for yeah. for the next few seconds. It's like, oh yeah, great. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna run as far as I possibly can whilst I'm invincible. <laughs> and then it always, of course, it runs out just at the wrong moment. But if you had recorded what I was doing, I was doing exactly the same thing again and again and again and again. It's so insane. It's insane. Yeah, it's it's one of those games that's got that thing that I call sort of magnetic. So you're you're drawn to that same danger. It's almost as if you you can't help but do exactly the same thing every single yeah. time. It's almost <laughs> yeah, unavoidable. It's- you know it's coming. It's, it's so frustrating. That bit that you're talking about with the turtles, they're like rocks, aren't they? Almost like rocks yeah. raining yeah. out of the sky, but secretly they're turtles. So sometimes you don't know whether they're going to land and turn into a turtle. 
So you, you move <laughs> as if you're avoiding it, but then drops in front of you and walks towards you and you just run straight into it. It just teases you. After playing, doing the same thing 30 times, you realize they're always doing it. It's not like sometimes. They're just following a fixed pattern. There's not even any randomness to it, I don't think. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, talking about the difficulty and, and, and difficult, the balancing, and, and it makes me think, um, so, okay, of course, we've mentioned, Phil said various times, this was an arcade game. So this was originally in an arcade, a place that you would go, uh, and you would put coins into the game to play it. There would be a big machine and you would put coins in and you would play. It. So those games developers, or, or maybe not the games developers, maybe a commercial arm, the business manager, someone, they were all, there was a lot of money being invested into these games. They would have to then make these cabinets. They would then rent the cabinets out to arcades, to sometimes in, at least in the UK, to pubs or places where you could play a game. Then the uh, the people in those those places would then want to make money back and they would have to pay for the rent i don't know how i don't know how the the revenue share i don't know how the that that part of the business exactly worked uh, now it's made me curious to think about how it did work but the whole thing would be that you would the people would be playing the game putting in those 10 pence i i don't know how if it would be 10 pence in those days but to play a game three lives 10 pence and then you could continue by putting another 10 pence in once once you've died uh, and you'd have 10 seconds to put more money in so the whole idea at least the commercial idea of the game i'm sure the games developers want to make fun games but then you have to make money back on all that investment so you can make other fun games so they had to think about well how difficult do I make the game? Because you didn't want someone staying on that machine, hogging it for, for, for many minutes so you couldn't get someone else to pay. Uh, but if you made it too hard, maybe that same person wouldn't pay again. So you've got to get balancing. And I'm presuming in those days that the, that game balancing would just be something that only the developers could do and perhaps friends they would invite in and, and, and some people they would invite in whilst they were developing the game to test it and play test it and change the balancing oh let's change this let's change that but once they made the cabinet once they'd made the motherboard and, and put it all out there i presume there was very little tweaking that they would do now nowadays if you make a mobile phone game or, or almost any game nowadays um you know that basically you you you'll do a you can then of course, do play internal playtesting. Uh, games designers will get the balancing. They'll use their skills, their knowledge, their intuition to try and make it as fun and as engaging as possible. But you've got to make sure that the retention is high enough so that you can finally monetize. You need people to keep coming back. There's so many business models. I don't want to get into too many, but if you're playing a free game with advertising on a mobile phone, it's quite similar to the arcade experience. So there'll be hyper-casual games which are very, very, very difficult because they, the, the developers need you as a player to fail many times so that you'll see another whole uh, advert, an interstitial advert. So you want to see more. They want to show you more advertising to make money off that free game. So that's kind of what it was in the arcade. You needed The developers needed the people to, uh, to fail fairly quickly so that someone else could put more money in. But I fear that... The, the, that maybe they just got the balance right, but they were quite blind. The, these arcade cabinets weren't feeding those metrics, the data back to them, and they couldn't tweak the game. The only way you could tweak a game that I know of, at least when it got to then the Mega Drive, 
would be using the kind of action replay cartridge. And that was something that we would use uh, with the consoles at home to kind of hack or cheat these games, sometimes make them them easy. So sorry, Phil, I just went off on one then on how difficult this game is. <laughs> How how that nowadays this game makes you feel, man. Yeah, now nowadays, yeah. Exactly. I, I would want to tweak and change that game. You would just you would soft launch it, so still thousands of people would play the game before it went into general uh, circulation. And yeah. even when games are in circulation, they can still be updated. Uh, and I talk mostly from my experience in, in in iPhone, Android kind of games, but all 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 modern games, console, PC, it's, it's the same now. They're constantly feeding back to the developers what people are how people are playing how far they're getting and it's all about that adapting i mean if you play fifa or if you play many games you might think oh that's it i'm just gonna give up and then miraculously in that next game you win now is that because you just got better or is it because the game has decided to tweak something in, in in real time to let you kind of win or let you so you can continue you know that kind of sort of stuff goes on Mm. I mean, I think culturally, listening to what you're saying, is that culturally there's a few things that make games like this hard. It's coming from Japan. And in Japan, and still to this day, they prefer a the harder type game, the game that, um, yeah, well, like the bullet hell type games that we mentioned when we were talking about R-Type and things like that. So there, there certainly is that cultural difference. And, and any arcade game coming from over there, most of them were along this level, like R-Type, like this one. I mean, the, that was kind of the norm and to be expected. But I think I mentioned probably in the first part of the podcast that Sega to Sega actually made this version for the for the Mega Drive in house, and I can't help but feel because of the push, the raison d'etre for the Mega Drive was to say you can now have the arcade experience in the home. I think they did. They took that very literally, and and just made the game exactly as it is in the arcade. I quickly played to remind myself the arcade version of this again emulated. And it is almost identical. There's a few graphical fidelity in the back of the sort of trees in that stage of the sort of wind and things. You know, you see a few more leaves blowing around. It, it, it does look a little bit better and the sound's a little bit different, but it's almost identical. But the actual game yeah. is exactly the same. I mean, Sega really did just put the arcade game in the home. They didn't make yeah. any changes. And also the other thing that I'd say is don't forget, games the back then weren't very big. And actually, this game, much like R-Type, if you could play it well, I reckon you could do it in 20 minutes, 25 yeah, minutes. I'm sure someone will let us know. I'm sure someone's done a, a run of it. I'm sure, you know, these speed runners. I'm, I, it's yeah. not a big game, you know. There's not a lot in it. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Thinking of the context, for us, if we go back, try and travel back in time and – for 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 us, these things were totally new. You're right. Uh, to, you would be able to go, at least in my experience, you'd go to an arcade before I was 17, or you'd probably go to arcades once or twice a year on on holiday, right? Mm. You'd be a be holiday lucky. destination. Yeah. Yeah. So so for us to to be able to play a game like that on a home console, home computer was was amazing, right? So maybe so that's why I was getting such high scores. Like, whoa, this is arcade perfect but it'd be interesting as we play other games games that weren't 
arcade ports and we'll see how the 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 gameplay changes in line with what the business objectives were i i guess because then as you get a that's where we'll get into games for the spectrum or commodore amiga or mega drive even where now the objective is to um perhaps give give players uh, value for money, uh, a longer experience, uh, something that's got reviews, the view, the ways that people would view games would be a bit more mature and, and it'll start getting closer to what we, we see now, although still very, very, you know, very, very different to the kind types, types of game, games we got now. But you're right, the, the, you've got to think of the things in context. But I was just like, this game could have just been so much more fun. There was. Yeah. I just think they, they could have made it that little bit easier, made it a little bit more fun. And I'm, you know, my hypothesis is that they could have even made a little bit more money in the arcade. It would have been that I would have put ten pence in. It would have you would have died. Maybe continue one continue, <laughs> and then you're like, oh, get lost. I'm not putting more money in this. <laughs> so if they made it that little again. bit easier, yeah. If they made it a little bit easier, maybe they would have got fifty pence out of it. <laughs> fifty. <laughs> But they were thinking of the uh, Japanese youth who were there, who, who were, um, you know, much better gamers than us. And anyone who's ever played Mario Kart online or any of these games, I guarantee <laughs> you are being beat by someone from Japan. They usually come first. And, it's, and I'm not saying that as a joke. It, they they are they they do like that style of game, and that and that's why they made them. You know, they they like that difficult level of difficulty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd have to look into the industry now and see, well, how many developers are Western developers and and uh, which kind of modern techniques have kind of won the, the business side, right? Because what kind of types of games? I mean, games are, I, games are much easier um, in a way. Uh, but, yeah, it's an inter- interesting thought, interesting to think about why games were so difficult uh, and there must be a myriad of, of reasons. You're absolutely right. I think size, again, just going back to saying that as a short game, certainly when it came out, price-wise, cartridges are obviously very, very expensive and might go in the Jeep, the, the leap from um, the leap from 8-bit to 16-bit. Cartridge prices went up. And that game was, although we got it fairly late, was a relatively, it might even have been a release title elsewhere around the world, but it certainly came a bit later for us, not much later. That was probably like a two meg or a four meg cartridge. But down the line, you got started getting much bigger cartridges. I think Streets of Rage 2 was like the first eight meg or 16 meg cartridge. It was massive in comparison. And games were then bigger. They were broader in scope and were longer. And, and uh, you know, were the cartridges physically bigger? No, no, just just the, the amount of information they could fit in them. Well, actually, no, that's not true. No, no, they caught there, they were. No, that you had, um, oh, uh, what was that 3D racing game, Virtua Racer, which had the DSP chip in it, which was sort of their equivalent of the um the super effects chip that super nintendo had that came on a massive cartridge so yeah actually cartridges did vary in size but that was much 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 later on well also if you think the master system we there was there was the possibility of um there was cartridges or cards 
Mm, so in the, the original one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in the Master System, which I, I, I presume there, the, the games coming on cards, I'm presuming, were smaller. Yeah, uh, they were the smaller arcade make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what was the motorbike game that we were talking? Super Hang On. No, not on card. Was was it? Was Super, well, Super Hang, Hang On, on and Super Hang On and Safari Hunt were the original built-in games on the Master System. Later on, the very very first Master System when it came out only had a built-in game, which was Snail Maze, which you had to press yeah. a series of buttons and then turn the machine on, and it was this Snail Maze game would come on. But the next pack, yeah, yeah, the one. main the main pack that came with the light phaser was packaged with Safari Hunt and Hang On. I don't think they were physical. I think they were built in, but someone I'm sure will correct me on that. But I think Hang On, it was Hang On, Ghost House, Transbot, and a handful of others came out on card, but also Transbot also came out on card, card as well. There was a few that did make the leap from card to card. I don't know why they did that. But yeah, but the cards, they certainly speaking from the second-hand market, they just disappeared. We, we never saw them. I mean, they, they, they came and went. Uh, and also then the majority of the machines that we saw was the Master System 2, which is the one that I got physical that I use. Um, oh, the 3D glasses made use of the cart slot. So you actually plugged those into the card slot, sorry. And then you plugged the game into the cartridge slot. So there was a few things that could use it, but it was so minimal. 3D glasses for the Master System. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. That's going to, be difficult, just going to be difficult to review in a podcast. I don't know how I'd put that into the video. That's going to be very difficult. I will leave that one. <laughs> so apart from the game being fiendishly difficult, uh, was there anything you, you did like about it? I think it's it brilliantly made as a platformer which was probably what we call it. We already uh, already discussed this, what we'd probably call it now is a run and gun, potentially. As a platform game, it looked beautiful. It, it was, the, the music was incredible. I can hear it now. I've been humming, humming it. I don't know how long we, our pause was, all weekend, I think. I've been constantly humming that blooming tune. Um, and that, those are the things that I remember. So I suppose those are the spectrum days. I suppose are, those are the rose-tinted glasses. Those, those those are the reasons why I was like, yeah, 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 let's let's do Ghouls and Ghosts, let's play it. I am now quite sad, <laughs> having played it, that now I don't like it as much as I did. And that is very sad. That is very sad, because it is a game I, I, I hold up there as being one of the best of the Mega Drive and showed what the Mega Drive could do, and you couldn't do it anywhere else sega were, were quite correct in you know in saying that they they brought that arcade experience home and it did work and it was much better than something like altered beast which was another one of those arcade games that was big and colorful and had big sprites and looked amazing but was terrible in comparison i, I bet anyone listening remembering altered beast thinking it was a great game let, yeah, let's, well, challenge, let's challenge them to play it. <laughs> <laughs> they're wrong. They're just wrong. It was rubbish. It was rubbish then. <laughs> it's rubbish now. But at the time, see, that's the weird thing. You had Altered Beast and you had a game like Ghouls and Ghosts out at basically the same time. Which would yeah, you play? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Which would you pick? Ghouls no and competition. Ghosts. Yeah, Ghouls, Ghouls and, Ghosts and Ghosts every time, you know. But that's what's so sad. Now that I've spent a weekend playing it, gritting my teeth and and, and 
breaking my hands and a controller and trying to video footage for this YouTube video that I hope people are watching. Um, you know, God. I don't know if I had the controller configured incorrectly, but I felt that they yeah, that the, was it. the jump, the jump, and <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was my problem. Yeah, yeah. that was my problem. Too. I, yeah. I felt like the jump and the fire buttons were on the wrong. They were in the wrong order. They were in the wrong place. <laughs> that's- I mean, see, that's classic. So, if you were even playing it emulated, you could actually reconfigure it. You couldn't do that back in the Mega Drive days. Yeah, to play it. Well, you could. Yeah, I mean, on practice mode, you've got infinite continues. So I literally, I literally, like Friday evening, I like literally said, "Oh, I'd I'd reached level two pretty quickly." (laughs) I decided, okay, I'll use a continue that pulls, and then I just turned the screen screen off, leaving the Raspberry Pi just running. And then I came back to it the day after, thinking I'll be I'll, I'll be fresh. No, I'll you be know able to do you can this. just do a save state, don't you? You know you don't. You didn't Could need you? to just leave oh, it. I, don't know. Yeah, I, just, just, I yeah. just left. I left it. Um, sorry, world, world resources. Yeah. And but no, it was still just just terribly difficult. Terribly, and that's, that's very old I th- school. Leaving the leaving console it. on, going to school, playing a game in the morning and doing really well. Oh, I'll have to leave it on while I'm at school and hope it's on when I come back. Yeah, leave a note. Don't disconnect. Yeah, right. Don't Your mum's, done the, mum's done the hoovering and unplugged it. Oh, it's <laughs> but that is my 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 overall feeling is this: it could have been just so great, and I'm just a bit annoyed that they didn't make it more fun. Mm. You know. Or maybe even if you do do a port, couldn't they have just done like, okay, here's practice mode, here's the arcade modes, and here's our, well, like they do nowadays. Do they call it, I can't remember what they call it, because there's often games which are like hardcore mode, and there's, what do they call the easiest mode nowadays? Hold which is the one hand I, mode. Yeah, which is the one I normally play. It's like, I don't have enough time in my life. My life is challenging enough with other things. Why do I need to be just punished? I want to play a game for fun. I want yeah, to play a game for fun. The controller's never configured right, is it? That's the problem. No, that's, that's, that is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you're playing, playing the blooming thing on a Raspberry Pi where you could be saving it and save states, playing it in slow motion, <laughs> rewinding got... it. And it's like, no, I'll, I'll leave this on overnight. I've got level two. Hey, leave it on. I, hey, I, I, am, I am trying I am trying to emulate what it was like back in the days. Yeah. This That's very days. honest of you. Very honest it's of you. You need days. 10 Ps in the back of it as well. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I, I would have taken into a really noisy room with a load of people smoking and drinking. That, that's what I did. <laughs> we really get that pub atmosphere. Uh, I put a I put a heater behind my flat screen monitor to emulate <laughs> the heat coming off the the tube TV. 
<laughs> See, all these things you've got to do just to make ghouls and ghosts better. Everyone will be hating us listening to us hating on it. I'm, I'm sorry, yeah. I used the hate twice there in the same sentence and three words in a row. But yeah, it, yeah. It, it, honestly, I challenge anyone who didn't bother pressing pause and going and playing it, honestly, and hasn't played it. I think obviously it's got its fans, and I am one of them. I do still consider myself a fan of the game, but I am disappointed by it having played it now. And I do challenge anyone who remembers it from back then. If you do think we're wrong, you think, no, it was amazing, and you can stand having your life ruined by finding out that it's more annoying than you remember it to be. Go and play it and let us know. Tell us, tell us what yeah. you think. Play it on Halloween for that yes. right. The real nightmare experience. <laughs> <laughs> and remember to configure your pad. <laughs> <laughs> so so we played two arcade games in a row and um we can we we can argue till the cows come home about if the balancing was correct to make money back in those days um so but maybe next time we should uh you know really explore a game made for home computing you know straight to straight to the spectrum perhaps well I think we should look on those mascots um, of the early days of the Spectrum. And there really is, is only one, really, um, well before sort of Manic Miner and that lot came along. I think that first one that everyone remembers is Horace, with Horace Go Skiing. We had three adventures, I think, two or three other adventures. So I think we should probably look at that. Um, I certainly remember it. I know everyone else here does, all three of us, in fact, remember. And I expect everyone listening now is nodding sagely and going, ah, yes, Horace goes skiing. That was easy. <laughs> I'm glad they've picked an easy one this time. <laughs> You can email us at hello at spectrumdays.com and you can contact us on Twitter at spectrumdayspod. And you can also find us on YouTube just by looking up Spectrum Days.